Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. All I am is a man. I want the world in my hands. I hate the beach, but I stand. All right, rolling along here on this Tuesday. Here's the problem. You know, Paulie just hung up a don't eat in the studio sign like a day ago, which I, I, I'm i fine with that. Like, we don't want food remains. The George just came in the break. It's like, here, have some popcorn. Like, oh, yeah. Well, what is it like a little white cheddar popcorn? Which has nothing to do with the don't eat in the studio, but don't eat two pieces of popcorn right before the commercial's ending. That is just general life advice that I have failed to live by here on the show. But we're rolling along here. We are... Uh, ready to uh, talk some Jim Beheim, talk some Syracuse basketball, and actually maybe talk some basketball on the court here uh, with our next guest as we bring on uh, Terrence Oglesby from the uh, Field of 68. You've seen him doing uh, Syracuse games on TV this year. and Well, now, Terrence, uh, uh, welcome in. I-, I hope you have not been eating popcorn because then both of us will be uh, gagging on something during this segment. That-, that probably wouldn't be very good radio right now. No, I, I don't think that's what the people want to listen to. Um, <laughs> but, but outside of that, no, uh, thank you for so much for having me. Uh, I did enjoy my time up in Syracuse. Dinosaur barbecue, the whole nine. Well, that being said, there's a lot going on in your neck of the woods, especially with Coach Bayheim here uh, lately. So, uh, yeah. interesting stuff. Uh, we specialize in a lot going on around here, Terrence. So we're in, <laughs> not in the top 25, not not in the field of 68 as it, as it were right now. But uh, there's a lot going on. So I'll give you the floor. Uh, setting aside the basketball stuff for for right now because they become two very different topics here over the course of the last week. What are you, what are your general thoughts on the the whole uh, current uh, Jim Beheim situation we got cooking up here? Uh, you know, I think the big thing is with Coach Beheim, uh, you don't throw stones in a glass house uh, type of situation. Uh, and there have been times in the past where it's like, you know, they they they've had wins vacated, they've had things happen. Uh, and I understand there's a lot of coaches. It's not just Coach Behan that doesn't like the whole uh, transfer situation, the NIL situation, but but that's the territory that we're in right now. That That's what college basketball is. It's not like we're uh, we're playing an uneven ground. That's the one thing. Now, the, the thing I also thought about was when Nick Saban uh, called out Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. That was the one thing. It was like, hey, he did that. But then I think two weeks later, they had some boosters come in, and all of a sudden Alabama's NIL situation is really rolling. So I think there were two sides to that. Uh, I have talked to people around the ACC. I think he, he called out the wrong schools. Uh, but you know, the, the only one that's just blatantly obvious is Miami because it became such public fodder with all these guys are getting paid and guys are looking to transfer and all that stuff. And it became kind of a posturing thing within that or within that program. But, uh, that being said, things got figured out down there and they're starting to win. Uh, it, it was either that I thought it was words that he shouldn't have used, uh, especially with some of the history of Syracuse. And I hate that I'm saying that on Syracuse radio, but it is what it is. Uh, he, he attacked the wrong team. I think Miami's the one where you can really sit back and say, well, that's happening there. But I almost, my, my genuine curiosity was, what was he trying to accomplish by saying all this? That was my genuine curiosity. And the fact that he's walked back basically everything he said in that interview uh, says a lot, too. Uh, trying to accomplish with it, uh, I haven't the slightest terrorist. <laughs> that's the that's the fun <laughs> of it all here. Um, and you know what, I my read on it, and who knows, I don't think he was 
calling those schools out for breaking the rules. Uh, you know, maybe it sounded like that. I think he was just saying, hey, that's, you know, they, they went and, and, and who knows what Wake actually did or Pitt did. Obviously, Miami, it's out there. You know, you can basically go read Nigel Pack's contract if you want to go up back and, and look at some of the tweets from back then. But, yeah, I think it was more saying, hey, we didn't have that money available at the time, which kind of, I think, was what Nick Saban did over the summer, right, Terrence? It ended up being a rallying cry for Alabama boosters more than anything. That's right. And that's what happened more than anything. And, and here's the thing, too. You know, sometimes you can get comfortable with a guy and you can just kind of talk and then forget you're, mm-hmm. you're being recorded or you're live. And you're just kind of talking back and forth. And that's very much what that sounded like. But even Wake Forest, I mean, you know, Jake LaRavia, who was a first-round pick uh, last year for Wake Forest, he got the, they got him from Indiana State. And that happened because Greg Lansing and Steve Forbes had a great relationship. Uh, Kadeem Sai, the only other school recruiting him was East, East Carolina. Uh, Andrew Carr, who's a forward on the team this year, they beat St. Louis for him. So it's not like I felt like that was a that was a weird team to call out, but it could very well be a rallying cry to try to get the NIL things going. But I'm not really sure how much longer Bayheim's got left to go. So it was a it was a very strange way to go about things. And I I thought the the portion of the whole uh, conversation where he said it's my decision. Uh, I, I, it was good that he walked that back too, because obviously there's a lot of people invested with Syracuse basketball that want them to be good faster. Right. And the, the 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 young talent on that team indicates they're going to be really good next year. I, I'm a fan of this team. I think they've improved throughout the course of the season. They just didn't do enough in the early portion of the year to to really garner any you know significant momentum to put them in the NCAA tournament. But I do think next year they're if they can keep everybody together, and that's the other big thing about this whole thing, right? If they can keep everybody together, Syracuse will very much be in the NCAA tournament uh, conversation next season. And th- and that, Terrence Oglesby, is our guest from the field of 68. And that, and you know, combine that with NIL and the transfer portal, that is a way bigger question in 2023 than it would have been e- even 10 years ago or certainly longer ago uh, than that. So, so Terrence, let- let's take it on the court. I mean, this is a team that's 14-10. and 10, and I'm not saying they should have a better record because I, I don't think it's necessarily that. But you look at a handful of games, you look at Miami, you look at Virginia, you look at Carolina, you look at you know the Bryant and some of the games they kicked away early in the season when they really weren't playing well. I mean, they're not that far away from having a, a handful of more wins. They don't, and they probably shouldn't, but they're not that far away. What? How do you view uh, this year's version of the Orange right now? You know what? I always put Syracuse right in the middle of the league uh, when I'm talking about preseason predictions because that zone is going to beat you, beat teams that they're not supposed to beat, and it's going to lose the teams they're not supposed to beat because it's such a it's such a matchup depending on who you play against, and some of the worst teams in the conference can get hot and start raining in threes, and then you turn around and you play against somebody like a Colgate, like you have to take care of business in the non-conference, but. they're always right in the middle and the games are always going to be close because of their style of play. I don't think the NCAA tournament, I don't think they're going to sneak on the bubble. I think it's, it's a little bit too late. They're a little bit too young. And there's no reason though, why they wouldn't be able to make a run in the NIT. And guys, they have five freshmen in the rotation Mm -hmm. and outside of the top 10 freshmen every single year in college basketball, the freshmen are still going to be freshmen. You're going to have outliers. There's always going to be outliers. These top draft picks, there's going to be outliers. But freshmen are still freshmen. They're still learning how to play. Malik Brown's one of my favorite players on that roster because of his length and athleticism, his impact on the boards, his ability to block shots, his ability to be on the wing. 
but he's still a freshman. Justin Taylor's a good player, still a freshman. Like, they need time. If they can keep that core together, I think next year they're going to be a handful. And I think if they were able to make a run in the NIT, I think that is a great indicator for next season if they can keep those guys together. Yeah, uh, it would be. And, you know, there's a chance here, and Terrence Oglesby is our guest from the field of 68. I'm not saying Syracuse is going uh, to do this, but they might. But there, there's a chance in the ACC tournament this year, <laughs> Terrence, based on the way the league is going, that it, it, you could have a bid-stealing winner. I mean, it could be Virginia Tech again. It, it, and who knows, like, how many would be in the tournament as of now. I don't think it would be a very long list that, I mean, you could be the six or the seven seed or whatever in the ACC tournament. And it, I don't think anyone would look at it as strange if whoever that is goes and wins that tournament this year. I think it's completely plausible that the top nine teams in the Atlantic Coast Conference, every single one can make a case that, hey, we can make a run over a three or four day per, uh, period and win it. I mean, you have Joe Girard, he goes for 33 games in a row, and Judah Mintz decides to just explode in the finals game. That can happen. Mm-hmm. You look at NC State, Terquavia Smith, Jarkel Joyner, like those elite electric guards with the basketball in their hands, they could go on a significant run in Greensboro and then come out on top, and I'll never hear the end of it from NC State fans. And I live in the Carolinas. <laughs> so and there's just so many different teams that the, the top nine of the league is a hodgepodge of teams and, and Clemson where I went to school. I mean, they're, they've lost two in a row now, but they still have capabilities too with PJ Hall is one of the best five men in the league with Hunter Tyson, who's developed over the course of his five years at Clemson into one of the better forwards in the conference. There's talent everywhere in this league and without a doubt, there could certainly be a bid-stealing Syracuse team. There could certainly be a bid-stealing Wake Forest team who's on their outside looking in at this point in time. Uh, there's room for that. The talent on that roster is there. The explosive scoring is there on some of those eight, seven, eight, nine uh, teams. That could certainly happen. Yeah, and uh, heck, I, I don't think either of these would be viewed as bid stealing or anything like that. You never know how the rest of the season goes, but right now, mm-hmm. uh, if the six and seven te- seeds in the tournament today is Duke and Carolina, like that's not something we normally uh, say out loud, but it but it is the case in the league right now. Uh, you know, I, I want to ask you about Miami. I mean, speaking of NIL, like, hey, Nigel Pack got that money, and right now. It's money well spent by Miami. I mean, he had that insane five-minute stretch against Virginia Tech last week where he put in 17 points in like four and a half minutes. Yeah, you add in Isaiah Wong. Like, I don't know if anyone in the league wants to deal with them right now. They just blowtorched Duke last night. And they certainly did, and they won at Clemson, which is not an easy game. Uh, beat Virginia Tech at home. So they've won three in a row, and they just have so many different ways they can beat you. And one of the most intriguing things about that Miami team is whenever you have Isaiah Wong, whenever you have Nigel Pack, you have two birds that can create shots for themselves. And Isaiah Wong, from an isolation scoring perspective, is one of the best players in the country. And he's been that over the past uh, two and a half seasons. He's been that electric, and that's the reason they made the run to the Elite Eight last season, because they had that. This year, Wuga Poplar, Philadelphia native, he has really developed. You saw his absolute flush last night uh, playing against Duke when he went down the baseline. He's developed into an, uh, an ancillary score. And then uh, Omir, I was worried about him because at 6'7", 240 pounds, he was so physically imposing at his previous stop at Arkansas State. I was curious how that was going to translate to the ACC level. Boy, has it ever. I mean, he is, he is a lot like a guy I played with, Trevor Booker who just thrived on strength, thrived on athleticism, and thrived on his ability to just be relentless for a full 40 minutes. They are very similar in that matter. But last year, last night when they played Duke, it was second and third side offense. They're moving the basketball. Different guys are getting involved. 
That's what made this team special. Or that's what makes this team special this season. They're 19 and 5. They're 31st in Kempom. I don't know what the AP is because I don't really pay attention to that as much. But this is a team that could make another run deep into the second weekend in March because there's so many different guys that can hurt you on a given night. You want to talk about money well spent? Omir, Pack, and Isaiah Wong. That's money well spent. They have one of the best teams in the ACC. Quickly, Terrence, last thing. I know you got to go get the kids off the bus here in a minute. We can't have you miss that. Um, That's well, right. Uh, 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 legitimately, just run out the door if you have to. But uh, Virginia, NC State tonight. What, what's your 30-second sketch on uh, that game tonight? What are you expecting? You know, the big thing with uh, Virginia, the teams that beat Virginia are guys are teams that can break you down one-on-one because Virginia's help side defense is so good. You have to create offense for yourself. They don't let you pass the ball uh, around the perimeter and run your offense. You have to have guys that can break away, make things happen on their own, and then that's how you beat Virginia. NC State has that. I already mentioned uh, Turk Smith and Jarkel Joyner. They also have a big man in DJ Burns, who I like to call a walking refrigerator with ballerina feet. Mm. Because like he is one of the biggest dudes in the country, you know, shoulder to shoulder. And on top of that, he weighs about 285, 290 pounds. He is a load to handle inside. I'm not sure that Virginia has anybody for him. That being said, uh, it's Virginia in Virginia, in Charlottesville, that's always a tough one. And it's going to be hard for NC State to really speed them up to play their type of game. Uh, Terquavia Smith is going to have to be awesome. Jarkel Joyner, those two guys are going to have to hit shots for them to have a chance. But, you know, the fact that Joyner and Smith can both go for 30, that's 60 points right there. And Virginia is not a high-scoring offense. So you can outscore Virginia if your good players have good games. Yeah, if NC State gets that one, uh, the league already wide open becomes all the way wide open at, at the top here down the stretch. All right, uh, it's always good to talk to you, Terrence. Uh, go get those kids, and uh, we'll, we'll do this again soon, okay? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. That is Terrence Oglesby of the field of 68. Always good to chat hoops uh, with Terrence. You know, I- interesting to get his perspective there at the beginning on Bayheim because, you know, we're, we're kind of in our own echo chamber about it, are we not? Like everybody has their, like everyone in Syracuse has an opinion on the matter, one way or the other. And then you kind of get Terrence, you know, he pays attention, like he watches all the games, he covers the ACC very thoroughly. He's, you know, I, I forget which game it was, it doesn't really matter. He, he's been on uh, a TV broadcast for a Syracuse game this year, so, you know, he's he's seen him in person, he's talked to the people, the whole thing. And this doesn't just go for Terrence. This goes for a lot of people. Like the, um, I feel a lot of people are bringing up the, you know, people in glass houses don't throw stones comment. And like, I get it. Syracuse has been on probation uh, more than once and, and the whole thing. I don't think, and again, this is partly why some of it got walked back. It's a, uh, you know, I have the beholder translation to the whole thing, whatever you want. I don't think that Jim was, I don't even want to say insinuating, saying that those schools he mentioned, Wake, Pitt, Miami, were cheating, were breaking the rules. That is not my read on what he said. The read is more that, now right or wrong, or should he have said it, that's a different conversation. The read is more that those teams used NIL to get players out of the transfer portal to win basketball games this season. Now, those three teams certainly reloaded their roster out of the transfer portal and are winning games with those players this season. Miami, we know for sure, like Nigel Pack, 
like we basically read the freaking contract with as much as it was discussed. He got a two-year, eight hundred grand contract from their bajillionaire to go play basketball at Miami. And you know what? He's really good at it. Pitt's whole team. They're all new guys from somewhere else for the most part. Is it possible all of them just happened there? I suppose. Lots of things in life are possible. It's possible I get all the lottery numbers on my next Powerball ticket. One of these days. I got a number last week. That was nice. You know what that gets you? Bubkiss. Anyway. So it's one of those things. Like The Jim Beheim comments like, Whoa, should he have said that out loud? Probably not. Is he wrong? Well, those are not the same conversation, really, are they? Well, that will take a break. We'll hear a little bit of what Jim had to say. He was on with Gomez this morning on Gomez and Company, around the corner, down the hall, up your dial, wherever you find it, or right here on QSportsTalk.com. You can find Gomez right here on QSportsTalk.com every morning. We'll hear what uh, Jim said to Gomez this morning. We'll do that when we come back here today. Your calls as well, 315-437-7644. That's the number. You know it by heart. We're back after this on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. 